the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, August the 18th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on August 18, 1894, Congress established the Bureau of Immigration. Today, in 1587, Virginia Dare became the first child of English parents to be born in present-day America on what is now Roanoke Island in North Carolina. That is the colony, the Roanoke colony, that mysteriously just disappeared a couple of years after it had been established. But Virginia Dare was the first child of English parents born in America. Today in 1920, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution guaranteeing American women's right to vote It was ratified as Tennessee became the 36th state to approve it. Today in 1963, James Meredith, he became the first black student to graduate from the University of Mississippi. Today in 1969, the Woodstock, they called it Music and Art Fair in Bethel, New York. It was several hundred thousand young adults wallowing in the mud. It was, it was pathetic. I remember it well. No, I wasn't there, but I remember it well. Some of you do, too. It closed off today in 1969. They had expected about 30,000 people, I think was the estimate, to come to this this concert in a field. It became known just as Woodstock. It closed out with Seattle's own Jimi Hendrix. Ten years ago today, President Barack Obama and European leaders demanded that serious a Syrian president, Bashar Assad, resign. They said the reason was because of his brutal suppression of his people. That made him unfit to lead. Our world has not changed, but it has become much more, much more crucial. We are living through a crisis today. I think many of you know that. I want to talk to you about it today. In April, in an interview with CNN, Vice President Kamala Harris bragged about the major role she played in crafting the Biden administration's plan to quickly withdraw American troops from Afghanistan. Those are her words. As President Biden now leaps and squints into the chaos that he's created with his so-called solutions in hand, we're learning that his administration will not be giving U.S. citizens any priority among evacuees in a crisis that he and he alone created, not by his policies, but by the lack of them. Not even the American press stranded in the country is getting any favorable treatment by the Biden administration after they have propped him up literally and politically since he began running for president. The Department of Defense refused to answer late yesterday afternoon whether they even have a plan to prevent the Taliban from obtaining the U.S. weapons in Afghanistan. Most of us little people across America, us workers, middle America, as they call us sometimes, we know 
They didn't have a plan at all. And we know where the U.S. weapons are. They're in the hands of the terrorists, the terrorists who are committed to destroy America and Israel. The emperor has no clothes. Now, unfortunately, in our country, neither does the empress, the vice president. In the course of human events, not long ago in April, in a faraway place called TV land, Vice President Harris was bragging to CNN about how she played a major role in crafting the Biden administration's plan. Laughing, taking credit. She said, we will quickly withdraw all American troops from Afghanistan. She commended the president. He's doing a wonderful job. She said, quote, this is a president who has an extraordinary amount of courage. She was talking to Dana Bash at CNN. She continued, he is someone who I have seen over and over again make decisions on what he truly believes based on his years of doing this work and studying these issues. What he believes is the right thing to do. Making decisions based on what one truly believes as opposed to what? Making decisions on things a leader, this leader, doesn't truly believe? I don't know. But she felt it necessary to make the point that on this one, he really believes. To be sure that CNN and their audience fully understood her major role in the planning, she confirmed to CNN and their half dozen viewers that are left. I'm kidding. They have many more than that. But they're the least watched of all the news channels now. But to be sure that the viewers out there on CNN knew She said, in fact, I was the last person in the room shortly after President Biden announced that he had ordered all U.S. military personnel to withdraw from Afghanistan. It's really something to see, she said, how government works. Well, indeed it is. I believe her. I believe she had a major role in crafting Biden's no plan, whatever it was, whatever it isn't. The president in his announcement said the withdrawal wouldn't be hasty wouldn't be hastily done, and it would be deliberate. Now the Biden administration is bare naked in front of the world, and so is America. Pretending to lead the most powerful, blessed, prosperous nation in the history of this world down Main Street in the course of human events, the world now stands by whispering to one another, the emperor has no clothes. Well, Americans know that the empress is also naked. And Nancy Pelosi second in line to the presidency after the vice president is standing in the wings, fully dressed by the same designer. They are empty people, hollow, who aspire to leadership. They're obsessed with being leaders, but they cannot lead. They don't know how to lead because they have no fixed core values. And that's why America is where we are today. We are not only the laughingstock of the world, we are seen as the great new opportunity for terrorism. 30,000 Afghans are on their way to America. They're loading them onto the planes. The first plane loads left last night out of Afghanistan. One report that came out last night said that 1,100 people have now been flown out of Afghanistan. Two-thirds of them were Afghans. One-third were Americans. 
The mass evacuation plan will not, President Biden said himself, will not give American citizens any priority that are living in the now Taliban country. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby says that, quote, officials want to have the capacity to get up to several thousand immediately, want to be prepared for the initial tens of thousands. They're not prepared for anything. They don't even know what they're doing. He says, once we get more airlift out of Kabul, or Kabul, we're going to put as many people on these planes as we can. There will be a mix, not just American citizens, but perhaps some SIV applicants as well, people who work for the government, essentially, highlighting that American citizens will be given no priority. Last night, one of the administration's spokespersons said that they they admit that the Americans living outside of Kabul, and there are many, probably will be left behind. The State Department has been tasked with deciding who gets chosen for the process of evacuation. Yesterday, the Department of Defense was asked what they're doing, what their plan is to prevent the Taliban from obtaining U.S. weapons left in Afghanistan. The top military official wouldn't even answer it. These guys on the left, in the media, they had to ask several times. These guys are in business together, American media and Joe Biden, and yet they wouldn't answer even their own media. Finally, this Major General Hank Taylor, he's a U.S. Strategic Command Chief of Staff, he, after repeatedly evading these questions about the Taliban potentially obtaining scores of our U.S. technology, he finally said, I quote him, one of our leaders in America, in this administration, I don't have the answer to that question. Good grief. Well, the world stands still and watches. Well, America is naked in front of the world, our leadership. This guy, who's a military guy, says, I don't know. On Sunday, many Afghan soldiers chose to lay down their arms rather than resist. The Washington Post did report that. Pictures are coming out of Afghanistan that show Taliban posing with U.S. weapons, sitting in U.S. helicopters, waving American equipment. How smart do you have to be to know what's going to happen to those billions of dollars that we have spent there in weaponry? How smart do you have to be to figure that out? Not very. Even I can figure that out. I'm looking at a picture as I speak. Taliban guys in front of a massive display of American weaponry. (laughs) Yep, that's what's going to happen to it. According to the New York Times, the U.S. has devoted more than $83 billion just to training the Afghan military and supplying it with modern weapons and equipment. That equipment, if the Taliban has their way, will come back to America. That'll be called their return on investment. It's daunting. Will these weapons show up in the hands of terrorists, not in Afghanistan, but in our own country, in Israel? You know they will if they can find a way to do it. Yesterday, Jake Sullivan, Biden's national security advisor, he admitted that certainly a fair amount of U.S. weapons has already fallen into the hands of the Taliban. Sullivan said he's supposed to be an advisor He said, what I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting as many people out as rapidly as possible. 
Boy, I'll tell you. The reporter asked, so you can't commit to bringing back every American? Can you offer any guarantee? I'm quoting one of the reporters. Offer any guarantee to the Americans and Afghan allies that remain there past the end of the month that U.S. troops will help them evacuate? Press Secretary Jen Psaki, you know, that snarky one, she was on vacation. She came back. She shortened her vacation. She came back yesterday. She butted in and answered because the military guy didn't have an answer. He didn't even know. He didn't even know how to answer. So she kind of butted into the conversation, pushed her way in, and she was there to do that. But she said, our focus right now is on doing the work at hand. Does that sound like a liberal progressive response? It sure does. You ask a question and you get a statement that doesn't even answer the question. It's as though we're not smart enough, those of us who are not progressives, so-called, that we're not smart enough to get it. Well, I'll tell you. Yesterday morning, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby, he told CNN, the military, kind of whispering, he said the military is not equipped and able to help Americans trapped inside their homes in Kabul. President Biden is continuing to prove himself a very weak president, much like President Carter and Ford, but he's even weaker because of his cognitive challenges. When I say that the vice president is standing in waiting, she is. People on both sides politically know that President Biden is not doing well mentally. He's failing. They know it. They're beginning to talk about it now. President Biden was pleading with the Taliban to spare the U.S. Embassy until he could evacuate the people and intelligence assets before a band of illiterate sheep herders took them away from the world's most powerful nation. That's where we are today. He's begging these shepherds who now have our weapons if they'll please let him take our people out of the embassy. Some, not all, but some news was reporting last night that they had seen, this hasn't been verified, but that they had seen members of our embassy walking out of the building with their hands in the air in submission. The Afghan army has been trained and supervised by General Mark Milley. He's the U.S. commander. You know what he's been doing recently in addition to or perhaps instead of training the military in Afghanistan? He's the guy who has been hyper-focused on getting our military personnel to study critical race theory materials to help them better understand the world we live in. That has been his mission in recent months. I've reported on that. He was responsible for training the Afghan army. How much of our weaponry does the Taliban now control? Nobody knows. But it's a lot. It's a bunch. There's a lot of information coming out of Afghanistan. This program begins and originates at 9 a.m. in the morning. I say that live, and I say that for a reason, because some of you will be hearing what I'm saying today an hour, two hours, up to three hours later. It's on a delay. It's all today, but there is a three-hour delay. Things are changing so fast in Afghanistan that what I'm saying at this moment may change. It probably will change over the next hour or two. 
But let me talk to you for a moment about what's happening as we speak at 9.15 this morning, a.m. on Wednesday. There is a lot of stories out there, and I'm seeing it on social media quite a bit, where people are saying that the Taliban is going from house to house beheading Christians across the country. That has not been verified. Now, please don't reach for your dial. These people are not above that. They probably will do that. They have done that in the past. But the people that are in Afghanistan that are reporting secretly out of Afghanistan this morning are saying that hasn't happened, hasn't begun yet. But it may, and it probably will soon. But I want to share just some of the rough language that's coming out. I mean, just it's not edited. It's it's not, you know, been edited down into a story and so on. But some of the rough language that's coming out of uh, Afghanistan this morning as we speak. There's a pastor there who is unnamed and they are not giving the, his location where he lives. But he's a Christian pastor. He said, I, I'm going to give you his words and then kind of tie them together. He said, they want to be safe. They want to be protected. So if they come to my area, I tell them everything I know so that when Taliban come, they somehow spare my family. They won't hurt me. He said that is part of what they're dealing with in the greater Christian community. There are those people who have been a part of the Christian community, but they are willing to at least say they are denying their faith for the opportunity to continue to live. The Taliban has been and will be, according to this pastor who's there as we speak, has been pressing people, promising them that if they'll tell them everything they know, they will they will make put them on a list and they will spare their life when they come back around after the U.S. is out of the country. He said that some Christians cannot even trust their own family members. He said some family like the parents, for example, have accepted Christ as their Savior and are serving the Lord under these unbelievable, hellish kinds of conditions. But some in their family, perhaps kids, he doesn't say whom, but some in the family have not accepted Christ and they're turning on their own family members in order to save their own life. This isn't widespread, but it is happening, according to this pastor. This is coming through the International Christian Concern, ICC, but there are other, or a couple, two other organizations that are uh, affirming this, that they're getting some of this same information. And this is today, this is right now. The Taliban came to our area, this pastor says, and asked how many members of the household are part of that, and they take names of all the people who live there. Talking about that is Christianity. Taliban controls some of the areas, having a, uh, a beard, is compulsory. If you don't have a beard, he's saying, you're in trouble. I don't know if they give you any grace period to grow it. I, I don't know. But anyway, you got to have a beard. Taliban come to houses. They ask for food. They ask for money. Some of them are knowing that they have been Christian. And those who do not adhere to the militants, he says, demands and have the risk, the chance of being killed. Definitely, they're going to kill some of the Christians. No question about it perhaps all of them that they can find and identify. They want to spread fear to the remaining people in the culture there in Afghanistan that are not part of the Taliban movement right now. This pastor said the Taliban will also likely take children 
from Christian families and turn them into sex slaves and Islamic fighters. I saw on social media this morning groups that are saying that uh, the Taliban is going from door to door beheading Christians now, and they're tying that to a fundraiser for their organization, their Christian organization. That bothers me a little bit. We all need you to support us who are doing any kind of Christian ministry. I certainly do. If you don't support us one month, then we won't be having this conversation. I understand the need to raise the budget. But it bothers me that they're attaching something that is not is not validated. It will probably happen, but it's not happening at this moment, according to the Christians in the country, as far as they know. But attaching that to a fundraiser is really bothersome to me, and I think it should be to all of us. So be careful with that, and be careful what you're seeing. On uh, It is really bad there. I mean, and it's getting worse by the hour. And it's opening the door to some other things, which I'll get to in just a moment. But I will tell you, just be very careful with what you digest. There's a lot of stuff out there. And, and as I said, some is, are using this already this morning, trying to raise funds for their own ministry. And, and, and again, I understand. I mean, our this ministry that I'm doing right now is fully funded by your contributions. We don't have any other income. Without you, I'm gone. I get all that. But I don't know, maybe it's just me, but that's bothersome to me. But he said it's likely the Taliban will take Christians. They've been known to do that. They'll take their children. He said they won't tolerate anyone who doesn't join them, not just tolerate them, but join them. He said the Taliban will probably take children away from their Christian families and turn them into sex slaves and Islamic fighters. Now, they, they have been doing that in some of the neighborhoods in Kabul and other places, in Kabul, but it wasn't identifying Christians. It was just people in general. And I've seen the reports on that, but I'm talking about the Christian community at 9 o'clock, 9.20 now on Wednesday morning. Definitely for Christians, it's just an obvious thing that they're going to take their kids because that's what they do, and they've done it. This church leader pointed out that the Taliban will also take away the Christian women and force many people to convert to Islam or be killed. He also explained that many Christians are dealing with this crisis in the only way that they have left, prayer. Definitely, we trust in the Lord, he said, and pray that he is sparing his people. We believe in God. We believe that as Christians, we know there is persecution. Every Muslim background believer, like myself, that converted to Christianity knows the consequences of conversion. Islam is very clear for the apostasy. It is death. And there is no mercy on those people. Those people are him and others like him. That's what's happening in that world. Sometimes today we find it difficult for us to really commit ourselves to the Lord and to his work and to his causes and to the work of the Lord, the kingdom of God on this earth. We find ourselves here in America, sometimes perhaps we don't have time. That's not important. Yet on this globe, 
there are people facing this this morning. This, this, <clears throat> this church leader who remains anonymous said this, and man, this, this cut my heart. He said, I know and we know that God has a purpose and a plan. And God knows what's best for his children, <clears throat> excuse me, in Afghanistan. And we submit to God. Meanwhile, multiple terrorist groups, some supported by the Republic of Turkey, are applauding the Taliban's takeover, of course. ICC reports that some compared the coup with the fall of Mosul to ISIS in 2014. Mosul police and former commander of Syria's uh, terrorist group said the victory of the Taliban is a victory for Muslims, a victory for the Sunnis, a victory for all the oppressed. What they're saying now is that Iraq is probably going to fall to the Taliban and their allies of terrorist groups that are forming as we speak. Several mosques in Syria are celebrating. The Taliban will be soon coming to Syria, they believe. Turkey is mobilizing terrorists within Syria for the deployment into Afghanistan. And President Erdogan has even attempted to communicate with the Taliban. Many Iraqi Christians are saying this morning through their sources, they're worried that their own country is next and it's going to fall victim to this major security crisis like's happening in Afghanistan. An Iraqi journalist tweeted this morning as he was escaping out of the country if a similar takeover of state happens in Iraq, it won't be ISIS. It's the PMF, the Popular Mobilization Forces, but it'll be aligned with ISIS, and it'll be Iran-backed, IRGC, Iran-backed group. They will run down the army and the state security apparatus. They, will, they are taking notes from the Taliban as we speak. That's where we are in the world today. The atmosphere through the Middle East is charged with the fall of Kabul, the Taliban. Let me leave you with this thought today, and keep in mind these are perilous times. I believe the Lord is coming back. I believe in the return of the Lord. I believe it is very soon. I believe that we are living in those times, and I believe that what is happening today is conditioning the world for what the Bible says, will come in the end times. But keep in mind, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, God is our refuge and our strength. God is in control. But keep in mind that all of our talk on this program and all of the conversation that we have, it is not really about politics. It's really a spiritual battle that we see playing out on this earth and all across our country. Thank you so much for being 
with me today. I appreciate that. We'll continue live in the morning at 9 a.m. on the ACN stations and elsewhere on very, very short delay. We'll try to keep you posted with what we know at the time. Thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.